Are creationists denying the obvious? Welcome to Answers News for Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. In today's top story, a public opinion survey reveals that the global majority accept evolutionary theory. Hello, I'm Dr. Tim Chafee with Dr. Jennifer Rivera and Jessica DeFord, and we're going to jump right into this article. Uh, so this is from the NCSE, and they, they conducted a, well, the University of Birmingham and YouGov uh, did a survey of, from, of people from seven different nations, and we can look at uh, those on here. They've come from Argentina, Australia, Canada, Germany, and Spain, the UK, and the United States, and they were asking them the, the question about whether or not they believe God created the animals and humanity uh, pretty much in their present form, or that maybe God used evolution, or maybe there was evolution without God, or something else, or you don't even know. And those are kind of the responses that people got or were able to give. So they, there are a lot of things to dig into in this. So what are your reactions to this? Well, they, they did uh, at least acknowledge that they did see a shift, especially in the United States in this research, because in previous years when they had done similar type of research, creationism was still the dominant, like we could say, belief yeah. system in the United States. But we do see a drastic shift in these results that that is no longer the case, where now the majority, at least of their sample that they you know, did this survey with, believe that evolution is basically fact, or some of them believe that God used evolution, uh, but it's a very, very, almost we say rarity now to believe in the biblical creation as described in God's word. Yeah, they, as Tim mentioned, they were asking a variety of questions, and some of the questions that they were asking is, um, which of the following statements comes closest to your view about the origin and development of life on earth? And so they wanted to know, humans and other, other living things were created by God and have always existed in their current form, or do you believe humans and other living things evolved over time in a process guided by God, and then also humans and other things evolved over time as a result of natural selection in which God had no part. So they're looking at distinctions in evolution, religion, and science and with a variety of questions there. And something that I found interesting is they say that the um, even among the religious and spiritual group, they believed evolution um, higher than um, some of the uh, processes guided by God. So we see, a, like Jennifer was saying, a shift in that narrative with our culture is denying God more and more. And something I was thinking about too when I was reading through this article is they're not de defining their terms here. So we're assuming they're meaning uh, Darwinian evolution when they're talking about evolution, but evolution itself, the term means change. So if that's the case, then we would agree that there's change. Right. But if they're talking about Darwinian evolution, as in that molecules to man evolution over millions of years, we would not agree with that. So it's interesting that they're not really defining terms here. And they're talking about natural selection. But natural selection, we would agree, is an observable process. And we see adaptation and variation within kinds. So we would agree that natural selection occurs in that way within what we would consider biblical kinds. But the molecules to man evolution, creationists aren't going to agree with that point of view. And a secular you know, person who's likely the large percentage of people taking this survey, yeah. they're going to view natural selection and evolution as synonymous with one another. They yeah. view it as almost the same definition and that natural selection is a mechanism of evolution. Uh, they're not going to be aware that, well, actually, that's not the case, right? Natural mm -hmm. selection is a loss of information. Evolution is a gain of information. And that has never been observed. Right. Yep. So there were at least 2,000 people surveyed from each country. And as Jessica said, they don't really define their terms. So here is here's what they define a creationist as. 24% of Americans always believe or prefer the answer, humans and other living things were created by God and have always existed in their current form. 
Well, that's not what we believe. No, we would disagree uh, with that. So uh, which answer are we supposed to select? We'd have to pick mm -hmm. other because mm -hmm. it's, we believe that there is change within the kind. Mm -hmm. And so God created the original kinds of creatures. Uh, so you have the bear kind. But now we have, through the process of what we call speciation, through loss of genetic information, you get polar bears and grizzlies and brown and black bear. Uh, those weren't existing at the very beginning. There was the, the bear kind. So, uh, but the, yeah, you have to be careful with, how, with the way that these things are worded. But I don't think any of us are surprised that in many of these nations, you have a high degree of theistic evolution or evolutionary belief. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that they didn't really survey a lot of um, other countries that are highly religious, maybe some of the Islamic countries. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some of them, yeah. there are, there's evolution taught, but a lot of them would have a very high degree of creation. Yep. Yep, and some of their statistics are pretty interesting too. The graphs that they presented yeah. with the discrepancies between who the, who people were more likely to trust or believe in regards right. to Right, yeah, we've this. got that up on the screen now for those that are able to see it. Uh, you can see the, the, the darker purple there. Those are the people who are, they find the scientists to be a, re, a reliable source of information. Uh, so a very high degree of people in each of these countries find scientists to be very reliable. And then look what happens when it comes to religious leaders. A very low... Uh, respect or very low belief that they're accurate. And you know what? I think when you take into account that there are a lot of religions, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would say I think that religious leaders are always a great source of information either. Right. And, uh, and we've seen something happen in science too. I say especially over the last few years is how science has almost become in itself a religion and people almost worship yeah. it, right? As, a, yeah, as their only source of, of mm -hmm. hope and truth. And they look at scientists as that you know, as that one true source, and, and we know that's completely contrary to what God's word says. Yeah, and, and we would, we believe that science is knowledge, and where do we get knowledge from? God's word says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, so the only reason we have the ability to logic or to reason or to do science is a gracious gift that was given to us by our creator, who is the source of wisdom and knowledge, and Colossians 2, 3 through 4 speaks of that too, in Christ, for whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, so we see that, and we need to trust God's word, our objective standard in a biblical worldview versus man's word. Scientists are going to be subjective. There's always going to be a new definition or term within science, a new textbook, a new chart, a new graph, but God's word does not change and it is our authority. Right. We would say that science or the scientific method is a wonderful tool for discovering what God has made and we need to learn to differentiate between that which is testable, repeatable, observable science um, and though that which is more what we call origins or historical science, things that we did not observe, we weren't there to, to look at, and we are making educated guesses about what happened at that time based on the uh, evidence that's still around. Uh, uh, kind of like forensics, right, Dr. Rivera? Yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go on to our next one. Natural selection can actually slow evolution, scientists say. Uh, so this one, they studied a, a, a plant, and in this case, it was the, um, I, I just went blank, the radish, right? Wild radish. Wild radish, yeah, yeah there mm -hmm. we go. Uh, I was gonna say turnip, and I was like, I know it's not the turnip, but <laughs> wild radish. And they studied this for over six generations, and I know you're gonna be shocked by this. Uh, these wild radishes, do you know what they became? Wild radishes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Yeah, and, and, and they're proclaiming it as basically evidence of evolution. Right. Uh, and what they were looking at here was the stamen length. So the wild radish has six stamens. Stamen is the male reproductive part of the flower. And on the stamen, there's two parts, the filament and the anther. And the anther is the pollen-producing 
organ, you could say. And so what they found is that on this wild radish flower is that there were four long stamens and two short stamens. And so what they were trying to do is kind of do a little, you could say, crossbreeding to take yep. the plant back to what they called its more primitive form mm -hmm. and see if they could change the length of the stamens. Yeah, they said this change shows today's wild radish and probably its relatives still have the genetic variation they need to evolve, making it unlikely they're being constrained, meaning that they're able to evolve. But I wrote down, well, what did they evolve into? As Tim mentioned, there's still wild radish. And in evolutionary biology, the formula is usually mutation leads to natural selection and then over a period of long ages, long amounts of time, then you get evolution, meaning a, a new species that changes into uh, or changes from an, a different form of species. But mutations are rarely beneficial, so we don't see mutations that will arise in new information and we don't see that in natural selection either. Again, we see the change within kinds, variation within kinds, but it's a loss of information. So something's being taken away. It's not something that's going to add on that's going to allow for something like molecules to man evolution. We're not going to see that through this process. I'm just, I'm kind of shocked that they think that wild radishes just have two genders, male and female, and not <laughs> yeah, that's a good know, point. hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of them. Point. I mean, <laughs> how discriminatory. Um, but no, th this is so common what happens. I mean, if you look at the World Book Encyclopedia, you look at their example for evolution, it's the prickly pear. It's this, the, they're down in the Galapagos Islands. There's some taller ones and shorter ones. And the islands where the, the tortoises are going up there eating them, only the tall ones survive. Well, yeah, because all the shorter ones are being eaten and they don't reproduce anymore, so just the tall ones are left. Mm -hmm. And they call that evolution. So it's a prickly pear becomes a prickly pear, and that's your example for evolution. It's not evolution. No. And so they don't have a, an example of one kind of thing turning into another, right. and they will give all sorts of examples like this of change within a kind, and say, yeah, imagine enough time, it's gonna change into something completely different, and it never does. Someone says they were created to bring forth after their kind. Right, like, I was going to say, I mean, the observational science here, I mean, just the, the, what we would call the actual science, right. uh, when they are trying to manipulate the length of the stamen and, and the capability to do that is in their, in their genetic code, but they're still only able to do that within that kind. Mm -hmm. It's in, written into the DNA structure, right, of that organism. It'd be impossible, right, to reproduce this with some, You'll never get a radish to become a grape, let's say. Right. right. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Well, moving on to the next article, I think you're going to be surprised to learn, uh, particularly if you agree with our position on being pro-life and that the sanctity of life in the, in the womb and everything. And um, I think you're going to be surprised to learn why you believe that. According to this study or this paper, it's uh, what really drives anti-abortion beliefs. Uh, research suggests it's a matter of sexual strategies. And this article, essentially what it is, uh, evolutionary storytelling. Let's figure out a way that we can use evolution to... Uh, explain away why, usually socially conservative, because they list a whole, a whole bunch of ideas that socially conservative people would agree with, but they focus on uh, being uh, you know, pro-life. And the reason that we are has to do with sexual strategies, apparently. It doesn't have to do with our, our deeply held conviction, uh, belief that every single human life is sacred because they're made in the image of God. They definitely, they don't use the word Christian beliefs in this article at all, but it, it is definitely fundamentally what they're referring to uh, when they say, you know, people who, um, you know, want to save relationships, you know, to marriage and, 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 you know, what we would call is 
what they refer to as restrictive mm -hmm. right activity, mm -hmm. we would say, well, that's actually, you know, what is defined in God's word, that certain activities are defined for marriage. They're sacred to marriage. They're part of that marriage covenant that's made. But they're saying because you have these restrictive you know, practices, well, that has led to women who basically are not able to work and it affects them financially. And, you know, and now they're subject to the, you know, the, what we would call the care of their husband, right? Because they can't financially support themselves and mm -hmm. all kinds of cultural agenda all throughout this article. Yeah, there's some strange things that they put in this article. And Tim was mentioning evolutionary storytelling and they say the evolutionary coin of the realm is fitness, getting more copies of your genes into the next generation. Well, that's not going to happen if you're aborting babies. So if you are supporting abortion, then you're not going to be able to pass genes to the next generation if you're killing your offspring. So that, I thought that that was interesting that they even said that. And as uh, Jennifer was mentioning, they place people into these weird categories and it's, it's kind of like almost a euphemism for, uh, for, for religious people too, because they're saying the sexually restricted, like the people who are more likely to be uh, religious versus the sexually unrestricted people who are more likely to go have casual sex. But as Jennifer mentioned, um, people, people are not, um, we're, we're created to be sexual beings, but people who are sexually restricted believe in obedience to God that that is meant for the covenant of marriage between one man and woman. So we want to honor and obey God's good design of sex. And that is within marriage between one man and one woman. So it's not that people who are religious are sexually restricted. It's just that they're being obedient and want to honor the Lord. And there's some interesting other things too, that they talk about with, um, the, that the sexually restricted are supposedly increasing the cost of sex because it's preventing the sexually unrestricted from being able to go have safe abortions. But there's no such thing as a safe abortion. In every instance of abortion, there is a baby that is murdered. That is not safe. That is terrible and a wicked act. So that right there is, is a, a blatant lie. There is no such thing as a safe abortion. And they're also talking about um, the contraceptives that people use too and that the um, like a, um, the pill, the standard pill that the sexually restricted would be more likely to prevent people or be anti-contraceptive in that way. And a lot of people don't realize that some of the, the pills that are on the market, most of the pills that are on the market are actually abortifacients. So mm -hmm. they don't, um, they, pre they prevent um, implantation, not fertilization of, of the egg. And we believe that life begins at fertilization, what we would define as conception, when that the uh, male sperm meets the woman's egg, when it's united there, that becomes a human being. It's made in the image of God. So if you're preventing fertilization, then you are causing an abortion and you're again murdering a child. It's one of the reasons why the definition of, con uh, of conception has been changed over the last 30 years. And you can see that in our exhibit here, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. You can see Stedman's Medical Dictionary from one, from one of the years in the 1990s to I think it's 2001 or 2003. And they've changed it to where con conception is now at the entire process, which could take up the first two weeks up to implantation. And so that way, if they prevent what we would say is implantation, mm -hmm. they can say, oh, it prevents conception, therefore it's not, uh, it's not an abortion. You're not, well, yes, it's, it certainly can be. If you're pre preventing fertilization from occurring, okay, then yeah, the life has not begun yet. But um, that's, so you have to be very careful about the way that they will change terminology. And if you're, it's and we see that be, in this article, because we yeah. see them refer to the pregnant woman as a birthing person. So Jessica, right. you're expecting. I am, I'm so 19 weeks according pregnant. According to this so article, you are a birthing person. Not yet, well, about five, weeks, five months See, who? 
if she does not want to keep the product, product. of the pregnancy, yes. so it's not a baby, it's, it's not a human life, it's not an image bearer of God, it's a product. Has your product kicked you lately? My, yes, my baby, <laughs> my human baby inside my womb has kicked me, and it's a reminder of God's amazing design. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded every time that happens of the human life that is inside me. It's not a product, and it's not to be killed either, so it's just, it's just a wicked idea of what they're putting forth mm -hmm. here. Yeah, and they go on in the article, they group a whole bunch of issues under the same umbrella. And this is why people hold these beliefs. Well, you could play the same game. You can, every single belief that they hold dear, you can say, well, it's only because of evolutionary. Think about it, if evolution were true and God didn't guide this process, God didn't make us the way we are, then we are just, in a sense, dancing to our DNA. We're just a bunch of chemicals and there is no free will. You're, you believe what you do because your DNA determines that you do that. And so all of their beliefs are for the same reasons. And so this article is, really says nothing yeah. while just, uh, just being one uh, very biased piece mm -hmm. against people who are socially conservative. Uh, read Christian is what they're really going for. They did say something interesting here, and they said it's a mystery why people in Pensacola care so strongly about what goes on in another city or, or another state, or you think about what we see going on in Ukraine right now or in Israel, and you're like, well, if we're just products of evolution, random chance processes, and you're, we're all just animals, why do humans care so much about when there is an earthquake and thousands of people die? Right. Why do we send relief aid and everyone jumps on board to go help? It's even because, the person who right. wrote the article, I would think, probably cares about, mm -hmm. you mentioned Israel or even in Gaza. They're, they probably have, one, they probably favor one side or the other, and they probably care about those people, but to use yeah. their logic, why would they care? I mean, right. evolution, it, I'm, I can see why it's a mystery. It doesn't make any sense. And if the goal yeah. is to pass on your genes to future generations, then why would you prevent having babies? Why would you go and do an abortion? That's counterintuitive to what mm -hmm. they're claiming here. Yeah, that was an infuriating article. And really the solution, why do we, the, the answer, why do we care? Because we believe that human life is sacred. We believe that human beings are made in God's image and therefore they should be cared for from, from the moment of fertilization until the life ends. And of course that life never truly ends because all people are gonna live eternally in one place either with the Lord or apart from the Lord if they've rejected him. All right, so next article, appeals court blocks Biden from forcing emergency room doctors to perform abortion. So short, short, shortly after Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court, the Biden administration invoked this, this uh, policy, E-M-T-A-L-A, -A, so I'm gonna call it EMTALA, uh, that they said they can use this to essentially force um, emergency room doctors to perform abortions. If the woman goes to the emergency room and says she needs an abortion, well, then they have to do it based on this law. But that's not really what this law was written about, was it? No, it, the, it, uh, they're placing it rightly back in the hands of the state too. And it, so it's to prevent a woman from coming into a medical um, emergency room and claiming that her pregnancy is a medical emergency and then aborting the child essentially. So they recognize, they're recognizing life here in the sanctity of life. So it's good news that they're doing that. I mean, it's not, here's, the, here's what fundamentally what it is, is this law was established so that if someone does come in and, and they're, you know, let's say dying of a heart attack or you have a gunshot wound and you don't have any money to pay for those services, but it's a life-threatening situation. Or well, you can't even speak and say, help me. Right, help right. me. We're going to save that human life. Yeah. Why? Because human life has value, right? So we're going to jump in, we're going to save you. Even in this act, if they're not able to treat you, but another hospital is, they are required to then transfer you to a facility that can care and meet your, you know, the needs of the emergency. Mm -hmm. 
It has absolutely nothing to do with a woman who decides at six months pregnancy, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. I'm going to walk into the emergency room and say, I need an abortion, and they're required to do it. Right. So thank goodness the state of Texas stepped in here and said, you can't federally mandate this. This is not what this legislation is about, and, mm -hmm. and our state right, is mm -hmm. not going to require doctors to adhere to this. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. So nice job by the court there. Uh, next article. This one we can have a lot of fun with. Um, <laughs> 72 things that higher education has declared to be racist in the year 2023. Um, did you know that using the word field is racist? You can talk about a football field or a baseball field or anything like that that is racist. Um, the, Going outdoors. Like to go outside. The, the, right. The, the outdoors. outdoors. Said so, the outdoors. So the outdoors, the outdoors in general yep. is um, racist. Yeah. Florida is racist, the entire state. <laughs> the entire state. Uh, if you are from Bloomington, Indiana, I'm sorry, you're a racist. <laughs> Bloomington, botanical Indiana. Gardens. Yeah, so botanical you gardens. You can't go out to the Creation Museum gardens and, today. And museum displays. Yes, yeah. so museum displays. you can't displays. go to the Creation Museum. They are racist, You can't go to any of our displays yes. or the botanical gardens. Right. It's if yes. you have a clean pantry at home, apparently that's racist. Right. The entire fast food industry is racist. Right. <laughs> essentially, every leading Republican candidate, they've but mm -hmm. no liberal ones. Made uh, the list. All the conservative ones. Um, of course, there's things we would expect, like the American flag, right? They're constantly attacking the history of the United States. Yeah. It's not surprising academia would bring out things like that um, that we've seen them attacking for several years yeah, And now. math and dance and not, li not liking rap music. Yep. And <laughs> this, like one, this is the one that qualifies me as racist because I've never the, liked rap music. The rest of them I completely understand. No, I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> robots are racist, apparently. Robots. Yeah, I don't understand that I, one. <laughs> biology, the whole field of biology. The whole field of biology. White paper. <laughs> yep. White paint. Mm -hmm. Yep. All racist. I have a feeling white paper is probably not like white paper, but writing a white paper. Right. Maybe writing like a that, white paper. Yeah, right. I think that just calling yeah. it that is probably what they mean by it. Yeah. Frankenstein is apparently. Um, but yeah, we we believe that all humans are made in the image of God, and they belong to one race, the human race. So judging people based on your color of your skin is racist. So we wouldn't say that you should do that, obviously. And we have a couple of resources here, actually, um, to promote um, uh, some biblical worldview on how we are to view humans as one race, one blood, one race mm -hmm. by Ken Ham. And then there's also a book um, for children as well and families. And, and the reason is because we all go back to Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. We are all related, okay? Whether you like it or not, you're stuck with Jessica, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and her product. And her, her product. Her baby. Oh, my. No, okay. it's not a product. It's a baby. <laughs> um, we, because we are all created by God in his image, we all go back to Adam and Eve. We all have the same problem. That's sin. And the same solution, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and died for all of us, not just for people who look a certain way. Okay, so there is no basis for racism from scripture. But I did find it interesting in this article at the very end, uh, they did a good job point, uh, calling out special attention to Ibram X. Kendi, who is somebody who has uh, been very popular over the last five years for his views on what he calls anti-racism, which is don't, it does, it's not actually being, it's not actually anti-racism, it's actually fomenting racism. Um, essentially turning everything racist. He's a Marxist, that's what it is. It's, it's all about the oppressed versus the oppressor. And, uh, but what he's done in the last year is he has taken $43 million, a grant that he's got from Bo uh, Boston University to develop the Center for Anti-Racism anti Research that happened several years ago. 
And as of last year, they had to lay off 20 to 30 people. They've produced, I think, a total of two papers um, out of $43 million, and they don't know where all the money's gone. And he's taken a lot of sabbaticals and other things. It's just all wasted. It's gone. Mm -hmm. So uh, apparently not really all that concerned about the plight of people who... You know, who, who truly are being discriminated against, or at least he perceives them as being discriminated against. Yeah, um, He's, uh, they, they quote, um, Professor Ibram Kendi has taught that a racist policy is any measure that produces or sustains racial inequity between racial groups. Um, that's according to his book, How to Become an Anti-Racist. And then, but he uh, apparently fired mostly racial minority employees. So by that, his own definition, he would be considered a racist under, under what he declares as racism there. And I just think this is another big flag about how important it is where you send your kids to school. Mm -hmm. Whether it's elementary, high school, or where you encourage them to go to college, it's really important that you consider that because this is what they're being taught throughout the secular academic system. Mm -hmm. And we see a lot of kids becoming products of this and kids who used to stand on the authority of God's word in high school and they go to a secular university and if they're not equipped with the answers to defend their faith, they are caving to this agenda. Um, I can't tell you how many students I taught over the years and I see their posts on Facebook and I'm just shocked that, you know, good Christian kids from Christian families and they, they get inundated and indoctrinated by this ideology. So, so important, parents and grandparents, that you are equipping your kids with answers um, and that you are preparing them for what they're gonna be faced uh, when they get to college. All right, remember back to our first article where we talked about how people really trust the scientists and how such a high degree. Well, the next two articles are gonna show that, you know what, they change their mind quite a bit and they change what they teach quite a bit. So we may have been looking for the wrong thing in the search for the life. So they're always talking about how we need to find water, we need to find oxygen, because if we find water, well, then there's life. Well, <laughs> Well, that does not follow, okay? You do need water for life, but it doesn't follow that if you have water, there is life. It just, uh, but that's been the whole search for extraterrestrial intelligence. They're doing that. But now they're saying, well, actually, we, and we've been looking for carbon because carbon is important for life, but now maybe we should be looking for the absence of carbon. Because mm -hmm. they haven't found carbon, right? Because <laughs> carbon's in all living things on Earth, and so if we can find carbon somewhere else, it's like, oh, maybe there's life, right? And they've been searching, searching, searching with no luck. So now they're like, well, let's just look for the absence of carbon, mm -hmm. right? And yep. maybe that will give us some evidence, right, that there could be life at mm -hmm. some point. Mm -hmm. It's another installment of trying mm -hmm. to find life outside of Earth. But according to God's word, we know that God created the Earth to be habitable, and the celestial bodies were put in place for cycles and seasons and for the glory of God. But here on Earth, it was created for people who, again, are made in the image of God. And so we wouldn't believe that they, we would find life outside of um, planet Earth. And so it's, it's a waste of money, really, to spend all these millions and millions of dollars looking for life on other planets. What is... Um, cool about this article is the actual observable science. One paragraph, yes. right, yeah. what we call real observational science mm -hmm. here. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, so they actually are using new telescope technology to be able to um, find carbon on these other planets. So that's actually pretty neat that they're able to do that and detect the carbon or absence of carbon using this observable science in their telescopes. <laughs> yeah, they say too much carbon dioxide would be what the team calls an anti-biosignature. I would say if it's outside of Earth, that's an anti-biosignature. And it, it's not that we believe God isn't capable or powerful enough to create life else, of course he could in, in, in a split second if he wanted to. It's just that he doesn't tell us that he did and all indications from scripture are that earth is unique and that's where he created life. That's where uh, his attention is. 
All right, next one. Uh, for, this is our weekly installment of everything we taught you about evolution before. It was wrong, and let's do it. But remember, we gotta trust what they say. And so Neanderthals and humans may belong to the same species, say scientists. It could rewrite the history of our evolution. Now, if you've been through the Creation Museum already, you went through the first exhibit called Starting Points, you probably are not surprised by this because guess what? We show Neanderthals as fully human. And that is what we have always taught as a ministry. They are human beings made in God's image. And for a long time, science, this, this article says that the consensus was the, the, the opposite. That's not entirely true. There have been a lot of scientists arguing for a while whether or not Neanderthals were of the same species or maybe a subspecies. And so it goes back and forth. But now they're saying, well, maybe they just belong to the same species. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this wouldn't be surprising for creationists who uh, believe that Neanderthals are humans. And they point out some of the supposed anatomical differences. But as uh, Tim mentioned, our starting points exhibit that we have here at the museum goes through some of the comparative things that we see that give us evidence that Neanderthals did belong to humans. And we see that in some of the other scientific research. They mentioned some of the research here, too, of um, seeing them as jewelry makers, tool makers, even um, doing uh, using pigmentation for coloring and other things like that. So we see that they had the capacity to do the same things that you and I do and to make tools and other things like that. And um, we see the evidence of DNA, um, Neanderthal DNA in people too, the 2% Neanderthal DNA that is found in uh, people. And what makes us human is not these anatomical differences or um, the, the things that they're describing here that define personhood in this article. It's being made in the image of God. That's what makes us human. And we see that Neanderthals are also made in the image of God. They would be part of the human race. I mean, we look at the DNA code and the more they sequence this, they're realizing, wow, this, they, they are, they're getting to that point where the science is clearly confirming. There's no question. And we've always known this. They are fully human. And you see this, like what we call, now I would say lack of defining terms again in this article where they're using the word species again and, and, and not defining what they mean by species. and Or then they know. do define it, but they say, oh, but there's exceptions but to there's this. But there's an exception <laughs> to this. And, and you see this so much in these types of articles. But, and they go into mammals and they're talking about interbreeding and, you know, and they're talking about wolves and dogs and, and they're de clearly defined as separate species, but they're of the same kind, right? right? And this is why they can reproduce. And so even though Neanderthal may have, you know, what we say, different characteristics, right? Mm -hmm. They're still just human. And they're even mystified in this article how, well, maybe Neanderthals and humans actually live together. And maybe they actually, you know, produced offspring yeah. together. Well, yep. of course they did because they're all just human. Right. So then the article kind of takes a turn and it says uh, what humanity is very much depends on which group of people you're talking to. And this gets kind of chilling. It says it's something that is culturally defined. Really? So what determines what human is culture? The Nazis thought so. Right. They determined certain people were, mm -hmm. certain humans were non-persons. And that's what people have done with the, with babies in the womb, mm -hmm. that they don't have Products. personhood yet. Yeah, product, Products. yeah. Um, and so then they go on and talk about how, well, it's, it's dangerous to let this information out, or it could be, because you might have, um, you know, like East Asian populations have been found to carry slightly more Neanderthal DNA on average, so it might lead to discrimination against them. Well, is that what Harvard and all these other schools have been using to discriminate against them for years? as they have been against Asians uh, by not, not allowing the, them into the school. So they're saying, well, we have too many. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's been discrimination going on for a long time against them. And it's not, uh, again, we'll go back to what we talked about before. We are all human beings made in God's image. So there is no basis from, from a biblical point of view for racist attitudes. But we do see those sorts of things in our culture. Um, 
And uh, of course, we think that if, if somebody had 3% Neanderthal DNA versus 2%, no, you shouldn't discriminate against them. They're still fully human. Mm -hmm. So uh, we would agree with that aspect of it, but I think sometimes they need to look in the mirror a little bit at, and uh, rather than trying to accuse other people, because they even throw in a little line, like uh, nobody really cared about this until they realized, oh, um, people from Europe have this too. And so there's the little, <laughs> that's kind of the key that, that sets it off and shows you where their perspective is and uh, what they're trying to accomplish with the article. All right, so that's all the articles we have for today. We're gonna wrap up here real quickly. We've got uh, answers, uh, Bible curriculum we wanna tell you about real quickly that, um, well, Dr. Rivera, you wanna tell them a little bit about it? I was gonna say, this is another great way. We're talking about parents and grandparents equipping their kids with truth, and this is a great way to do this. It is um, our new homeschool Bible curriculum. Um, it, I would say there's second to none uh, that's on the market. It is fantastic. Um, it is gonna provide a lot of those answers uh, to help those kids learn to defend their faith and it is I, what I think is great too is you can just get one teacher book but then teach to multiple grade levels at one time in the homeschool setting so excellent resource and I'm going to let you talk about this one as well the yeah, Galapagos so Islands speak I know we were talking about the Galapagos Islands earlier yep. um, we're actually going to be taking a trip there uh, we're leaving May 28th coming back June 7th uh, this is the very first trip Anxious Genesis has taken to the Galapagos Islands we'll actually be visiting more islands than Charles Darwin did on his adventures there which is uh, why the Galapagos because that was of course they call it the birth place of evolution right. so we're going to talk about why it, that is not necessarily the case while we're there um, look at the actual species that darwin studied while he was there and look at it through a biblical lens so registration is open it actually closes february 19th so if you're interested in joining us you need to register soon all right that's all the time we have for today we'll see you next time god bless